Hey, this is Scott Taylor. I am so glad that you have joined us. I'm the pastor of Turning Point Church, and we would love to connect with you. You can connect with us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at TPCGVL, or you could text the word CONNECT to 864-479-4483. We've got a word for you today that I hope challenges you and inspires you. take a moment to welcome those who are listening via podcast. Y'all, we have people literally from all over the country and people outside the United States that are regularly listening to our podcast. And that's the, that's the message portion of our, our service. And we just want to say welcome to you. I also want to welcome our Hispanic congregation that is being interpreted right now. It means so much that you guys are with us as well. Uh, we had I God gave me this vision for for this congregation before we ever had our first service, before we ever went to Hawks Landing, before we ever had the first person commit to the church to say they would be part. When it was just me and God, God laid this on my heart, and it's so awesome to see God bring something to pass, like bring, make it come alive. And uh, so I am so gr- thrilled that you are with us today. Um, Mark, we're going to pick up Mark chapter 5. We started Mark chapter 5 last week. And if you remember, what we started last week was we talked about, and this may freak some people out, but we talked about the person, the man that was possessed by demons. And he was possessed by legions of demons. And we know that a legion of the Roman army was about 6,000 fighting men, so I don't know how many thousands of demons were inside this one dude, but he was in bad shape. And so he's in bad shape, and he's going through some stuff, and Jesus shows up. And today what I want to talk to you about is Jesus is the difference. Jesus is the difference. So Jesus made it a point to go to a region where Jewish people did not go, and I believe fully it served two purposes, well, three. I believe that it was for the disciples, because if you remember, they went across the Sea of Galilee, there was a big lake, and the storm comes up, and, and Jesus had to, to build their faith. I think Jesus knew the storm was coming. I think Jesus knew the disciples were going to be freaked out. And I think Jesus knew that when he arrived, this man full of demons was going to come and was going to bow down and worship him because listen to me there is no power greater than the power of God and even with all the thousands of demons that might have been in this man still could not stand before the presence of God amen right it's a rainy Sunday but y'all can wake up some come on and I believe that Jesus knew all of that was going to happen if you missed last week's message, I just encourage you to go back and listen to it because we found out that the, the townspeople were more concerned about the economy, the economic loss of losing the herd of pig than they were the, the deliverance of this man, the miracle of this man being delivered from demons. Sometimes we can get more focused on our personal gains and our personal losses than we are the things of the kingdom of God. And we've got to be careful that we put the things of God First, over the things that we think are most important. Hello, right? And so, what did the townspeople do? They asked Jesus to leave. And can I just say something? I think one of the greatest gifts, and you may not see it this way, 
But one of the greatest gifts that God has given you and me is the ability to choose. God doesn't force His way on you. He's not a forcer. He's a filler. But if you give God some space and you ask Him into your heart, He'll fill it. Think about it. If my mom and dad and Sonia's mom and dad would have forced us to come together, right, and forced us to date and forced us to marriage, would that have been as great as us choosing one another? God doesn't want to be the the last resort. He wants to be your choice. And He wants to be what you choose to live for Him. So the the people asked Jesus to leave. He he says so. The the man asked to go with Him. Jesus said no. Which I think is interesting because Jesus said, I want you to go and tell what I have done for you. So this man goes to a town, to a region which rejected Jesus initially, and then he would go back a year later and thousands of people would be waiting on him. Why? Because of one man. One man spread what God had done for him. But I think when Jesus left, he got back onto the boat. Imagine what the disciples were thinking when they got back onto the boat after the storm, after they went through what they went through, after they were scared. After seeing Jesus stop the storm, after seeing Jesus deliver the man, they're now getting back on the boat. You think they got back on the boat a little more confident? I do. They get back on the boat, they go back across. And I think when Jesus got back on the boat and they started going across, I think Jesus knew that it was on purpose. Every decision that God makes in your life for your life is for a reason. You understand that, right? We may not understand it. We may not agree with it. But when you trust God that He's in control, He does it for a reason. In every decision you make, you either draw closer to God or you push Him away. Those townspeople pushed Jesus away. But eventually they were drawn to Him. In every decision that you make in your life, The decision to read your Bible or not. The decision to come to church or not. The decision to be part of a small group or not. The decision to spend time with God every day or not. The decision to serve or not, right? We could go down the decision to give, the decision to have fasting and praying a part of your life. Every decision you make is a decision that either draws closer to God or it pushes them away. And you need to understand that. Because God's not going to force His way in on you. But He wants you and He's standing there with the door like we talked about last week and He wants you to come in. So Jesus gets back on the boat. They go to the other side and we'll pick up. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to Him. And He was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came. Jairus was by name. And when... Jairus, when he saw him, Jesus, Jairus fell at Jesus' feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So they just imagine Jesus is walking down the street, his disciples are 
probably feeling pretty important because they're with the guy that everybody wants to get to, right? And, and so they're protecting him. You know, maybe they had their sunglasses on and their suits and black ties and they were like the secret service or something. I don't know, but they're protecting Jesus and all these people are just coming in, just trying to get to Jesus. They want a piece of him. They want to talk to him. They want to touch him. And now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. How many of you have been in a situation that no matter what you do, it just seems to get worse, not better? You ever been there? Maybe you're there now. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind Him in the crowd and touched His garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. That's what an encounter with Jesus will do. You will immediately know that you are healed. So this woman has been dealing with an issue of blood, bleeding for 12 years And she just knew, she heard about this guy by the name of Jesus. And she knew that if I could just get to him, I don't have to have a conversation with him. She had more faith than Jairus did because she said, you don't have to touch me. I just have to touch the hem of your garment. And I know that I'll be made whole. I know that I'll be made well. Can I just tell you, there's an old song that says it always makes a difference when Jesus passes by. Can I just tell you that no matter what you're going through, it always makes a difference when you take that to Him. An encounter with Jesus always changes your situation. It may not change your circumstance. Hear what I just said. It may, change, it may not change your circumstance. You may still be going through the thing you're going through. But it will change your situation. Because you're no longer in control. God is. And there's a big difference in that. So don't get caught up on being blinded by the circumstances going on and don't confuse that with the situation. Amen, Pastor. I know. I'm I'm doing pretty good today. Okay. Sometimes your hope is for someone else. Have you ever thought about that? You may know somebody right now. If you're a parent, you can totally connect with Jarius, the synagogue leader. If you're a parent and your child's ever been sick, your child's ever been hurt, you would do anything to take the pain away. You would do anything so they wouldn't hurt anymore, so they wouldn't have pain anymore, so they wouldn't be in the hospital bed anymore, so they wouldn't have the disease anymore, so they wouldn't have the thing anymore. You would gladly lay down and take their place for them. Jesus understood that because Jesus lived that way. And sometimes you're like Jairus and, and you just have hope for somebody else. Because everybody we're dealing with in Mark chapter 5 were in the same situation. Different circumstances, same situation. Every single one of them were dealing with hopelessness. They could not change their situation. 
And Jairus was really hopeless. Not only was he hopeless, he was helpless because his little girl, says he's a little girl, was hurting is at the point of death. Can you imagine the angst, the, the hurt, the, the, the just feeling of a father who just wants his little girl not to die? And he hears about this guy, Jesus. He was a synagogue leader, so maybe Jesus was uh, not on the right side of the team, right? Maybe he was on the wrong team, but he had hope. He was willing to do anything it took. So he goes to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, my daughter's about to die. Will you come and lay hands on her? And Jesus is like, yeah. Maybe you know somebody that you are having hope for. Maybe you know somebody who is hopeless. Maybe you know somebody that is just living life and you're like, why can't you get it through your head? And maybe they're searching in all the wrong places, with all the wrong people, doing all the wrong things. And every decision they make, you're like, oh my gosh. Right? And you, you've begged them, you've asked them, you've pleaded with them, you've prayed for them, you've fussed at God, you've, you've done everything that you know to do, and it's not changing. Anybody been there? And you're just like, why don't you? God, why don't you? That's where Jairus was. And so Jairus gets to Jesus and he feels like, okay, we're there. And Jesus says, yeah, I'll come. So they're on the way and there's this throng of people that are just pressing in, pushing and pressing in and pushing. Remember what hopelessness is? Hopelessness is that you can't. You can't change it. You can't make it better. You can't get out of it. And you can't see it changing, right? Just remind you of that from last week. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Think about this. Like he's in this massive crowd that are pressing in on him. And this woman comes and touches the hem of his garment and he stops. And he says, whoa, 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 who touched my clothes? Not who touched me, who touched my clothes? And look what his disciples did. His disciples were like, come on, Jesus. I mean, people are pressing in, pushing us, trying to get, I mean, come on. And you're saying, who touched my clothes? Come on, Jesus. I mean, I know, but for real. Right? They still didn't get it. They still didn't understand that he's the Son of God. They still didn't understand that he knew all. And can I just tell you that this is a rhetorical question? I believe with everything within me that Jesus didn't need to know who touched him because he knew the woman was there. He knew the woman would be there before she got there. He knew the woman would be there before he got there. And he knew that she was going to touch the hem of his garment before she ever thought about it. He knew. And I believe that Jesus stopped the crowd and He stopped the procession and He turned around not for His sake so that I would know, but for her sake, for the disciples' sake, for Jairus' sake, and for the crowd. Jesus knows what you're going through. You may think... I'm not so sure about that right now. 
I've been in situations where I was like, hello? Is this thing on? God, are you awake? Right? I'm just here to tell you that Jesus knows what you're going through. And I think you'll see that in this account, this story. Because this woman had a religious problem. According to the Levitical law, she was unclean because she had an issue of blood. For 12 years, she had an issue of blood. So for 12 years, every time she walked into a crowd, every time she walked into the market, every time she walked into where there was anybody else, even a room of one other person, she had to walk in and she had to go, unclean, unclean. In other words, stay away from me, stay away from me. And to make matters worse, not only was she considered to be unclean, but everything she touched and anyone that she came in contact with would have also been made unclean because she touched them. And so understand what's going on. Like You've got to see this in the Bible. That not only was this woman unclean, not only did she have to walk in and say unclean, she may have lost her family, she may have lost her husband, she may have lost contact with her family, contact with her kid. The thing is, we don't know. But she broke every single rule there was by going into the crowd. Just being there. Much less getting in the crowd. Much less touching other people by having them touch her because they're... And then for her to touch a rabbi. For her to touch a person of prominence would have been a big no-no. Understand that's where this lady is. But she threw everything aside to say, I've got to get to Jesus. And she touched the hem of his garment and Jesus goes, whoa, stop. Who touched my clothing? Every single person in the crowd, except for Jesus, thought this woman was about to get in trouble. The woman probably thought, oh boy, I'm probably going to get stoned, thrown rocks, rocks at him, not that kind. I'm probably going to be dead. I'm probably going to have stuff. I know y'all thought it, so I might as well say it. I'm, I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be cast out. I'm going to be all this. Oh no, my life's about to get worse. And I believe that Jesus didn't need to know the answer because he already knew the answer. And I believe that Jesus would have stood there as long as it took. Anybody ever been in the room where there's this long, awkward pause? Like you're giggling because it makes you uncomfortable, and that's just a few seconds. I believe that Jesus would have stood there as long as it took. I got time, right? And the lady finally goes, it was me. But let me tell you something. Jesus didn't have her acknowledge what she did to embarrass her. Jesus didn't have such a big ego that he had to say, hey, I've healed someone. 
That wasn't the reason. Jesus stopped the procession. He had her say yes, it was her, because not only was she healed physically, not only was she restored spiritually, not only was she able to to have life again, but he restored her socially as well. The whole town was there. And she was restored because she had been an outcast. Very similar to the man that was demon-possessed. She was alone. She was desperate. She was hopeless. But listen, Jesus changed all of that. If you'll just press into Him. Pursue God rather than pursuing fill in the blank. He, she ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. Right? Pursue God. And look at what Jesus said. This is so important. Don't miss this. Look at what Jesus said. And He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Look what's in blue. Go in peace. Think about this. This was the first time this lady would have experienced healing, wholeness, restoration. But it's the first time she would have experienced peace in at least 12 years. Have you ever dealt with a physical situation you couldn't get rid of? Maybe pain, maybe... Imagine the peace that she felt in that moment when she instantly knew she was healed. But there's another side of the story. Because there's a dad whose daughter's dying and it's in the last moments. And he's all happy for the woman. That's all good and well for you, but gotta be honest with you, I don't really care about you because my daughter's life's on the line. Like, you can go jump and see a Galilee for all I care because my daughter's life's on the line. And I just imagine this man got more impatient and more impatient and more angry and more angry every moment that passed by. Every crowd that came in, every question that got asked, and then Jesus stopped. And he did this whole lesson for everybody involved that he didn't really care about. Because you see, he wasn't looking at the circumstance. He wasn't looking at what was going on. He was focused on his problem. Wasn't able to see. Just like the townspeople that told Jesus to leave because of the herd of pigs, he was only focused on his problem. Jesus made it public. And while he was speaking, Jesus was still speaking. Some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? I'll tell you why that's blue in a second. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. Two things. First and foremost, careful the words that you use. You remember the Easter message? We talked about looking at Jesus as a teacher versus the Son of God. Look at what they called him. 
Why bother the teacher? Anybody can be a teacher. Right? Humans can be a teacher. There's only one that can be God. Only one that can be the Son of God. The second thing that I want to tell you is don't buy into what everyone around you is saying. Trust the Word of God. If there's been a common thread through Mark chapter 5 up to this point, it is that you've got to trust the Word of God. Jesus got in the boat and he told the disciples, let's go to the other side. They encountered a storm in the middle and they thought, oh no, this is it. They didn't trust the word of God. The man, Jairus, comes to Jesus and he says, my daughter is dying, my daughter is dying. And Jesus says, let's go. But then the people came and they said, your daughter is dead. That's a pretty final word, y'all. He didn't trust the word of God. You can't focus on what everybody else is saying around you. You've got to focus on God's Word. That's why it's important who you hang out with. That's why it's important who you're and what you're listening to, what you're watching. All that is the truth. But if you're not putting God's Word in your heart, all you're doing is tainting the atmosphere, the contents of your Trust God's Word. Proverbs 18.21 says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Your words that you use are a reflection of your heart. What's going to come out of your mouth is determined by what's on the inside. Our tongue says, what our tongue says reflects our heart. Bitter words equals a bitter heart. If you're constantly complaining about your life, you don't need an attitude check. You need a heart check. And you need to clean out the contents of your heart and replace it with the things of God, the Word of God. And this isn't a name it, claim it message because I ain't into that. But what this is, this is a heart check, y'all. It's a heart check. And if you're bitter and you're ungrateful, then it's not because of circumstance. It's not because of, it's because you don't have enough of God's word going in. Jesus looked at the man. He said, let's go. He got to the house. They said, oh, your daughter's dead. Your daughter's dead. And he said, no, I'm not. She's asleep. The people had enough faith. It was one thing for him to heal somebody. It was one thing for him to cast out demons. But... <laughs> Dead is pretty final, Jesus. We don't think you can do that. Jesus takes a few disciples, goes in, says to the little girl, wake up, get up. And she does. It always makes a difference when Jesus passes by. 
I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know if you're having to have faith to believe for somebody else. Or you're struggling to have faith to believe for you because of what you're going through and what you're facing. But if you'll just take it to Jesus, it'll make all the difference in the world. These people need to have faith. They needed to believe and trust the Word of God. And what I would encourage you to do today is not get caught up in what everybody else is saying, but to focus on what God's Word is saying. To focus on what God's Word is saying to you in your situation. Can I just say this? Don't give in and don't give up. You gotta keep going. We all know somebody that's given up. We all know somebody that's walked away. We all know somebody that's gotten overwhelmed and buried by the circumstances and situations of life. And they're just resting under the pile because they don't see another way out. Well, you may be the somebody someone needs. Okay. I would just encourage you to pray and ask God to give you direction, insight, and to open that door. But you got to be ready, y'all. You can't do it on your own strength. You can't do it in your own power. You need the power of God. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you're saved and you've asked him into your heart, the Bible tells us very clearly that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The demonic man that came to Jesus, thousands of demons inside of him, could not stand in the power and the presence of God. Had to kneel. When the synagogue leader saw Jesus, what did he do? He kneeled. He recognized the authority. You're not in charge. I'm not in charge. God's in charge. If we'll live our life that way, it'll take a lot of the pressure off. Just trust. Would you stand with me? Prayer team's going to come down and they're going to be available for you to pray, to pray for you, to pray with you. Why do we do that? Because sometimes you just need prayer. Sometimes you just need somebody to pray for you. Sometimes you just need somebody to pray with you. Can I just encourage you not to take it and carry it on your own? To give it to God? And that can start with a step. If you're desperate enough, you'll do anything to get to God. Ask me how I know, because I've been there. If you're desperate enough, you'll do anything to get to God. So when I pray, the team's going to come. They're going to sing. Deb, just pull the lights down a little bit, the house lights, and we're going to have prayer. This is our dismissal. So 
When we come down and we have prayer, if nobody comes, you're dismissed. If somebody comes, you're dismissed. But if you want prayer, then I would encourage you to come. Just please have reverence and be quiet as we leave. Amen? So as I pray, come. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you and we thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for your presence and your power. Thank you, Lord, that you had a plan. Thank you, God, that you sent Jesus. And when he died on the cross and was put into a tomb, you didn't leave him there. He didn't just lay there. He went to work for me and for you. And God, when he ascended to heaven, you sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, God. And God, you've given us the ability and the strength within us, not ourselves, the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome. And God, somebody just needs to know that they need to stop trying so hard and they simply just need to surrender and trust you to take it, God. The word for somebody. God, I pray that you turn their situation around. I pray that people that are carrying a heavy load, God, you would lighten it, Lord. Move in our circumstances and our situations. Be in control, God. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We love you. If you want prayer, please come. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Dismissed.